Gavin. Hey, Louie. Oh my god, we're back, back, back again. It is. So it... hype, so lit, adrenaline. <laughs> Those are lyrics to a song. Mm-hmm. I'm cool. I know what the kids yes. like. Yes. So this is our first episode of the spooky season. Oh, kind god, of. I kind know. of, sort of. I, yeah. I like that I've locked you into this trap of being like, well, we'll start off spooky season by doing somebody who's like not a full-time spooky person and then force you to watch a bunch of scary movies. Yeah, and then here I was today, literally like underneath my covers, like looking at my phone and over it to look at the movie and it was still so fucking scary. And I was just standing in the corner going, yes, oh, yes. God. Oh my God, but who's that? Oh, somebody has joined us. Uh, I got scared. <laughs> but oh, it's just, it's just our good friend, Eddie Meridian. Oh my goodness. Hi girl. Hi guys. <laughs> Hello, you should, Eddie. You shouldn't have scared us like that. Yeah. Ooh. I'm sorry. I, I'm simultaneously in both of your apartments hiding in a closet. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird oh, for me. Oh, I was going to say, oh, baby, that closet's been open. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to thank you, Eddie, for joining us, especially for this episode, because I was on vacation last week, so I did not have the full time to commit to watching. Um, but you reached out and happened to suggest already what we were going to do. And you are an expert, I would say, in this subject. I would. I would. I'm an expert in so few things, and <laughs> this will be on my tombstone. <laughs> Before we get to it, though, hi, we're the Mixed Reviews. Exactly. We are a film podcast in which we take a film subject, such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we give you a full history, and then we talk about the spooktacular and the boorific. Boorific? Yeah, sure. I don't know just go, about that. Just go with it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You Kids, know I will giving... turn this car around. I'm giving boo I know I'm room. new here, but let's cut that. Let's cut that, guys. We're going to cut that. Go back to one. The interns do not listen to him. <laughs> no. We have some old business to, to take care of. Our last episode, we talked about John Hughes, um, which was a, a little bit of a controversial episode, I'd say. Uh, I was talking... I, I even had a conversation last night with some people about, like, um, John Hughes's, like, fake white straight America and how it made us all think that America was one way when it's not um but oh my goodness i feel so happy i'm back on top baby we asked you guys to go to the polls and um vote for your favorite john hughes movie i got Um, so close and yeah so far um and here's the results uh we had a couple votes for other uh jim said he loves christmas vacation Uh, a worthy choice um the breakfast club came at 23 percent uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, which was Gavin's choice, came out twenty five percent, and my choice, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, came in at first forty two percent. I haven't won one of these things in ages. Oh, and it was a landslide, and good for you because I mean, it really. I think I I was under no illusion that planes, trains, and automobiles was going to win, though it is a good movie, and I do think you should watch it. Uh, but I mean, Ferris yeah. Bueller's Day Off, it's pretty. Eddie, stiff do you have if you had to pick a favorite, what would you pick? Um, I did listen to the episode. And I loved it. And I was sort of like, oh, my childhood dreams are crashing around. Yes, so yes. thank you guys for that. Yep. Um, I would agree that I think Planes, Trains and Automobiles is maybe like his best movie. But um, I probably would have voted for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Thank you. Um, or, or maybe just by lack of not having seen it. Uh, Breakfast Club. I've seen Breakfast Club a lot, but not recently. And it's oh, one of okay. those I was like- maybe childhood movies that you're like. I don't want to revisit this. Yeah. I'm going to probably side with the principal this time, <laughs> right, and right. I don't want that to be my journey. It turns out when you grow up, your heart does die. <laughs> the truth. Eddie, we would love for you to introduce our subject. So who are we talking about this week? 
the Scream Queen herself, Jamie Lee Curtis. She absolutely is. It's so wild. Like, um, I don't think I knew that she had this, like, Scream Queen persona. I knew she was in Halloween. um, But then, like, going back and seeing, you know, I was like, oh, she literally was. And basically, like, all these Halloween knockoffs. (laughs) And... And then also, obviously, the the Ryan Murphy atrocity that is Scream Queens. Um, great pilot. Great, <laughs> great pilot. Lovely gowns. Great lovely beautiful gowns. Pilots. Beautiful pilots. Beautiful gowns. <laughs> beautiful Ariana Grande. Um, yeah, so Eddie, tell, so I know why we chose it. I mean, we were, like, talking about, um, after our last episode, like, oh, maybe we can do Jamie Lee Curtis just, like, to dip our toes into yeah. the spooky season. Last year um, we did Vincent Price, who is notorious for being in horror films, but also did so many other films outside of that genre and Jamie Lee Curtis is sort of the same she has this reputation especially because she has revisited the Halloween series every decade since the 70s but she has so many other movies and so many other types of things that she's done in her career that it's kind of a cool place to go in and 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 take a deeper look at what she's been able to do over time yeah what do you what what did you like I don't know how did you find her How, how why do you love her why did you you sent us like a massive list of names that included Jamie Lee Curtis? Uh, why Jamie Lee Curtis? Um, well, I I don't know that I've seen a whole bunch of Jamie Lee Curtis movies, but I think it's probably just the last few years that I maybe have recognized that like she's maybe one of our greatest movie stars. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I have a lot to say about, I, I will fill in plenty of those Halloween and scream queen gaps, <laughs> but um, Halloween was definitely a movie that uh, me and my best friend, Carla, uh, you know, spent just hours roaming the blockbuster horror movie aisle and like stumbled across Halloween. And then we watched it a thousand times. Yes. Um, it's, uh, so so I have sort of that frame of reference, but obviously I didn't clue into any of that until sort of like the, you know, the 90s until I was, you know, in middle school. I'm, as you guys know, famously very old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but then also just as I pieced it all together, sort of, I realized that, you know, I remember like when A Fish Called Wanda came out and like my dad and my aunt and my mom, like just loving that movie. It was like the comedy for so long. And then looking back again, like, uh, you know, the summer of 94 when True Lies came out and you were just like, oh, this movie is so great. She's so great. And, you know, we even like watched uh, her sitcom, Anything But Love. So it was sort of like all of these things sort of like pieced together about her throughout kind of my my life, sort of. But then it was when I was older and she did H2O mm-hmm. and sort of like I was aware enough to be hyped by the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis was coming back to Halloween. And then these last couple of years with um, Knives Out and the new Halloween, oh and I've dubbed, Jamie, I've dubbed Jamie Lee Curtis the most bankable actor in Hollywood. And yeah. it's like, well, I also want to hit on something that you said right off the top, which is she really is a movie star and she comes from this lineage of movie stars and she's like maybe one of our last great connections to that era. And we're going to touch on it once we get into the rewind. But she was one of the last people to ever be signed to a studio contract. Really? So, it's crazy. Yeah. And so like mm-hmm. it's so interesting to to look at her career and her path and the fact that she comes from these two other legends. Um, there's a great New Yorker article that was written a couple of years ago around the time that Knives Out came out called uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has never worked a hard day in her life. And that's <laughs> a quote from her. 
So, and, and I, I don't know. I love, I love this idea that she's like, yeah, I didn't like, there's all these other actors who had this normal life. I didn't like, I, I was royalty and I still am. And I love, but, but, but it also doesn't come off as like chip on her shoulders sort of way. It's, it's a really interesting like aura to put out in the world. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we'll, like you said, we're going to get into it in the rewind, but something that I was really thinking about when I knew that we were going to talk about her was she used her status and her privilege in a way to, like, take the piss out of being a movie star in a way that I found found and find so uh, endearing. Um, You know, like, where she, you can sort of feel that she, like, looks around and kind of is like, this is all stupid. This is all crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, and also because I think there's this feeling of like, if it all went away, I would still be, uh, you know, these famous people's daughter. Yes. So yeah. I'm just going to kind of have a good time. And I, I made this connection in my brain. And I think that the current day analog to her is like a Dakota Johnson. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Um, Because you could see a 90s version of Jamie Lee Curtis going on whatever the equivalent of Ellen is. Maybe it's Rosie O'Donnell. Maybe it's one of the late night shows and being like, you never invited me to your birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to just, I'm just going to say that because like, I don't like, who cares? Why would I right, lie? What are you going to do? And, um, and I just, I love that about her. I just, I think she's the best. Ugh, what a perfect, perfect, uh, I think point then for us to jump into our rewind. What do you, let's go. Absolutely. Jamie Lee Curtis was born November 22nd, 1958, which makes her 61. Curtis was born in Santa Monica, California. Her parents are actor Tony Curtis and actress Janet Lee. Uh, Tony Curtis, star of many, many great films, Spartacus, Some Like It Hot, Janet Lee, Hitchcock, Psycho. You know, she is royalty. These are, by the way, these are two people that the studio were like, Please don't date. <laughs> really? Yeah. Please don't date. They met at a photo shoot, um, and then they hit it off, and soon enough they were married. <laughs> were they like, but we're both hot and like famous. Exactly. Um, she has an an older sister, Kelly Lee Curtis. I love that they share the same middle name. Um, That's so fun. And she is half Jewish on her father's side, um, and her mother is just white. <laughs> just lots of white lots of white danish german scotch irish you know that that's the, all the all the yeah, white places me she's me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> her parents divorced when she was real young and uh married several more times and so she has several half siblings um uh, Allegra Curtis, who's an actress, Benjamin, Alexandria, and Nicholas Curtis, who died in 1994 from a drug overdose. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be talking a lot about drugs, trigger warning in this in this episode, because she has suffered from addiction during her career. Her father suffered from addiction. She helped him get over it, uh, sort of the way they reconnected. But for the most part, he wasn't around when she was a kid. So they were a bit estranged. And Janet Lee becomes a kind of de facto best friend. It sounds creepy and fucking weird, but she called Janet Lee the night she lost her virginity? Uh, I think said it on Phil Donahue, I guess we can say it. You know, I mean, the night that, that she uh, uh, lost her virginity. I mean, she, you know, she called me and we, we talked about it. I can't even imagine, like, 
calling my mom that I've had sex at any moment. <laughs> but they do remain really good friends. Actually, my favorite fun story about growing up for her was she used to tell people in interviews that she, you know, notoriously her mother wouldn't let them watch Psycho because she didn't want to scare them. And she claimed that as a little kid, when she was nine, she watched Psycho and couldn't sleep alone that night. And then later, years later, uh, she finally said in an interview, I made that up. I was just tired of people asking if I've seen it. Wow. Yeah. I love that. See, that, that sort of goes to the, the point, right? Yeah. Like, you couldn't imagine another celebrity just being like, I made it yeah. up. I just didn't want anybody to ask me anymore. Okay. She does. She hates horror movies. And that's going to come back in a moment. But uh, yeah, she's a notorious scaredy cat. She doesn't like being scared. She's just like me. Yeah, she's she's you, Louie. Curtis attended Westlake School in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills High School. She graduated from Choate Rosemary Hall. In 1976, she attended her mother's alma mater, the University of Pacific in Stockton, California. And she was planning on becoming a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer at one point and study criminal law. But then she dropped out to pursue acting. Her mother was very honest with her from the start. Said, I said, I have, listen, I, it's been a wonderful business for, to me. I've, it's given me a great life. If that, that's your choice, go for it. You know, as long as you know that it's, there's a lot of pitfalls in it too. I mean, you know, there's, there's rejection, there's disappointments, there's a lot of things that go in it. Uh, you, you become sort of a public figure so that you have to be able to handle that. And I said, all of that's fine. Just wait until you get out of high school. You can start college, and if you quit, I don't care about that. Just give yourself a chance to be a kid. Imagine a Jimmy Lee Curtis um, legal eagle, you know, like attorney <laughs> at law. I think she could do it. That's the thing. Well, yeah, she's like famously very, uh, admittedly, like very controlling and a little bit persnickety. Yeah. So I think she would be like a great lawyer. She started going on auditions, and the thing is, she has no formal training. Uh, so she basically got the advice, maybe you should study some. And so she started taking acting classes, but basically she has said her acting professor told her, well, you're good at being other people, so why don't you just focus on the minutiae? And, and that was basically it. I never studied, really. I studied with an acting teacher once. Um, who I uh, worked with him. I went to his house, Alan Rich, fantastic actor and teacher. And I remember we did a scene. I sat opposite him like we are. We finished it. And he looked at me and he said, okay, well, you know how to be other people. So now your entire job is read, study art, listen to music, um, take photographs. I'm a photographer. You know, um, immerse yourself in art. You know how to pretend to be somebody else. Because pretending to be somebody else has never been difficult for me. And she has made no qualms about the fact that obviously being the daughter of these two Hollywood legends has certainly helped her career. Um, we won't, we're we going to get to Halloween in a moment, but she has said the only reason she got the role in Halloween is it came down to her and another girl who she's never named. And mm. she said, clearly, they were like, well, your mother was in Psycho. It looks right. great for us. Um, a legacy of ooky spookiness (laughs) but she doesn't technically get her start there she makes her first television appearance in 1977 in an episode of the drama series Quincy Emmy and then she bounced around TV for a little while she was on Columbo, Charlie's Angels, Buck Rogers in the 25th century she even got her first lead role on a TV show where she played Nurse Lieutenant Barbara Duran on the short-lived comedy series Operation Petticoat, which was based off of a 1959 film starring her father and Cary Grant. 
That's wild. She was also a frequent guest on Match Game, which, by the way, I found her first episode of Match Game. And that, that who does she play in Snatch Game? <laughs> oh, we have a new oh, kid oh, on the block. Oh, I meant to warn you about this. <laughs> No we time. have to give her a proper welcome now, don't we? Indeed. Mm-hmm. All of us. <laughs> now, you will just give a little brisk applause, and you will applause as you welcome this new kid on the block, Jamie Lee Curtis. No her first film is 1978's Halloween. Uh, she plays the character of Laurie Strode, and she basically creates sort of a new genre or solidifies a new genre of horror gonna, films where she... I was going to ask that. Yeah. Like, is it... I know that it, like, sparked this wave of, like, specific horror movies where, like, the girl and, like, slasher. Right. And and it it, it literally carries on for her until now. You know, uh, we t- were talking about uh, H2O earlier. You know, like, that was, like, during the time, in, like, in the millennium where, like, you know, I know you do Last Summer and right. Scream. And, like, it, it feels like every time, you know... Well, not every time, but there are these waves that keep coming, and she's always there. She's always there with this trend. Which is funny, because, and this ties into our last episode, she's talked about this. She talked about how John Hughes didn't exist for her when she was <laughs> making movies. If you wanted to see teenagers up on the screen being taken seriously, doing things that teenagers do, having sex, smoking pot, you were going to have to watch them get butchered. When I was 18, there weren't a lot of uh, movies angled toward a young audience. There weren't, you know, John Hughes was, I guess, still in Chicago. I think that's where he's from. He was in Chicago, and I was here, and he wasn't making movies uh, when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. They were making horror films. That was the teen genre of that era, of that, you know, part of my life was that's what they made, so I did it. What I think is really interesting about Halloween and Louis, to your point, is um, it's sort of like they're creating a template or solidifying a template that they didn't know that they were creating or solidifying Mm -hmm. because, you know, later in like the height of Reagan conservatism, when um, like the slasher movie really booms with Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, like you do have that like virginal final girl, goody two shoe. If you have sex, you die. But Laurie Strode, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is like, you know, she's smoking pot in the car. She's just, she's a character who, happens to be very shy and like scared of boys and she says in that movie boys think i'm too smart Mm. which is not something you could ever imagine kind of like an 80s era slasher final girl saying right and so everyone points to laurie strode and jamie lee curtis for like creating this and like knowingly do it but john carpenter and deborah hill who created uh, who wrote that movie and directed it or like we weren't that wasn't our plan at all <laughs> which makes it i think so much more interesting that like she's like oh yeah the original final girl the original virginal you know scream queen and she's like yeah i guess those are just things that my character did and became the thing that defined a whole generation of other characters right so i had never seen the original halloween and i did for this it's a perfect film uh, you say it's a perfect film it's a perfect okay, film okay noted um <laughs> i didn't i like it and spoiler, I guess, like, it opens up with, like, Michael Myers as a child killing his sister. She just lets him stab her? Yeah, she, like, yeah, she certainly child. doesn't fight. She's a child. Like, she just, and, and, then is, and then is dead after she had the quickest on-screen sex of all oh, time. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Right? Like, like it, she's, like, she's they naked are as fuck. Okay. She's naked and just, like, touching herself. And then she's, like, little child with knife? What? And I was, like, okay, so immediately, like... <laughs> 
I have so many questions about Michael Myers as like a character, <laughs> and but he's like, my sister was fucking and I hate it, so I killed her. But anyway, oh, well, I could turn I could turn this into a Halloween podcast oh, yeah. real quick, but that's not why we're here, <laughs> and I have to respect that. Thank you. Uh, but before we move away from Halloween, by the way, but I think all of your readings are are perfect. I do want to shout out because we do keep saying final girl uh shout out to carol j clover who's an author who wrote the amazing book men women and chainsaws gender and modern horror film i've read that book i've actually gone back to that book a couple times um it's brilliant and it's where the the concept of the final girl actually comes from where somebody a, a cultural critic took the time to to sit down and analyze and and realize that like oh this is a common thing that sort of starts here um and yeah, and I, I, I would highly recommend going and, and checking that out. It's a little dense. It's theory heavy, but it's a great book. Before we move away from Halloween, my last thing on the subject. Is it the, mo- is it the greatest film debut of all time? Is there another performer or performance that set the blueprint for what a whole genre of film would be? Also is a great performance. Also... um is then launching a character in their first film that they would play in a franchise that would span 40 plus years and that she would then play six in, in, in each of the successive six decades. Yeah. I think you can make a case for, obviously there are great film debuts, Edward Norton, Kate Winslet, blah, blah, blah. But like the tale on her debut is kind of crazy when you look at the details. Yeah. It's insane. You're standing right there. Laurie scared another one away. It's tragic you never go out. You must have a small fortune stash from babysitting so much. Guys think I'm too smart. I don't. I think you're wacko. Now you're seeing men behind bushes. It becomes one of the highest grossing independent films of all time. Um, Obviously, as you guys have mentioned, it sets this sort of template for slasher films. I would be remiss if I didn't say it does come after Black Christmas. And some people say it was sort of created as a ripoff of Black Christmas. I think it pulls off a lot of the things Black Christmas did well, even better. So that's just my two cents. Um, Her next film, she also does with John Carpenter. It's The Fog. She's in that movie with her mother, Janet Leigh. People didn't love it, but the box office was strong. So she gets cemented as a scream queen. And and we mentioned that. And she's, as you guys have, have mentioned, she starts starring in these like big Halloween knockoffs. You know, there's Prom Night, which is a snooze, though she does get a Genie Award nomination for Best Performance by a Foreign Actress because it was shot in Canada. She's in Terror Train. She's in Road Games, which I actually do like. I want to give a shout out to road games I, for road games was a movie that i saw for the first time for this that i didn't even know existed and i thought was really good. yeah i will Solid, i will say i should it's, say it's hard to be like oh that's a jamie lee curtis movie she doesn't show up for yeah. 45 minutes and then she disappears for like almost the entire last half an hour but she's great in the limited role she has and and you kind of wanted it to do just a little bit more i really thought they were going somewhere different yeah. with stacy keach it's funny because she's doing all of these horror films on the big screen and really the only things the only other place that she can escape to is television because she's got this reputation you know roger ebert once referred to her as getting stuck in the same realm as boris karloff uh was in the 1930s um and and I mean, I, f- I feel like that's definitely true. So she was doing these um, these TV films to sort of set her apart. I 
went deep on the TV films. I know we don't normally cover TV, but I, I loved some of them. I, I have to say, I don't know if either of you saw any of it, but Money on the Side is a great, like, little... Oh, I gave it two stars, but it's a great <laughs> little TV film where she plays a housewife who starts uh, working as a sex worker on the side. It's three three housewives who start working as sex workers. But she gives, like, these, like, crazy monologues in the movie that I really like. Have you dated before? I know what to expect. That's not what I asked. That is what I answered. You're real angry, aren't you? Aren't we all? And cold. <laughs> Men love them cold. And I think the real, the, the place that she proves that she's, she's a force to be reckoned with in terms of dramatic work is a 1981 television film, Death of a Centerfold, the Dorothy Stratton story. Um, she plays Dorothy Stratton, who was a Playboy playmate, who ended up getting murdered by her ex-husband. Um, and there's a very famous film made of it, uh, by Bob Fosse called Star 80. Um, but I don't know. I, I didn't love this movie, but I really liked her performance in it. Um, did either of you get a chance I to see it? It's, it's available on YouTube for free. I have seen some of her later TV movies. I saw The Heidi Chronicles. I've seen uh, Nicholas's Gift. I hadn't seen those. But what you just said, I think, is super true about Jamie Lee Curtis. Is she's in a lot of stinkers, yeah. man. Like, she's in a lot of movies that aren't great. She is rarely bad. Yeah. Um, you know, there are, if, if just by sheer charisma alone, she's rarely bad. Am I too in the bag for Jamie Lee Curtis, guys? No, 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 so? no. Not at I all. mean, I, I do think it's true. And, and there's, there's going to be a couple other movies as we, as we start to move away. I feel like everybody's sort of waiting for us to get to the, the next big thing, which is her comedy work. But before we get there, there's still a couple. But I do want to say um, a lot of people think that Trading Places is her the big thing that she did in trading places that was so different and so off the mark is she did all these horror movies and that she does this comedy and she bears her breasts. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Death of a centerfold, the Dorothy Stratton story. Not everything is for America folks. She went topless <laughs> for that movie, but it's only in the foreign markets version. So mm. Europe got to see Jamie Lee's breasts way before we ever did. I, well, that's one of the things that struck me watching all these movies and I hadn't seen a lot of this like I'm gonna be very honest I hadn't seen a lot but go going through I was like this is a woman who is in charge of her sexuality yeah gives no fucks I, I mean and she is I will I think she is a very unconventionally beautiful woman like she does not have the conventional like beauty Hollywood whatever nonsense but, she would like, totally agree with you by the way I've seen her in so many interviews be like I am not gorgeous. It's one of the things that I've always never really thought I was very pretty. So I've always thought that I should play like the unattractive girl in movies. So my good looks have never hurt me because I don't really think that they're that good. They're weird. I've got a really bizarre little face. It's like all crooked. It's like when I came out, I came out on a real weird angle. It's like, you know, down the chute, but it was like, you know, a crooked smile. I mean, I'm all screwed up. But like her bod is banging. She single-handedly is like the reason why I don't know pixie haircuts exist. Um, <laughs> like it's it, it it's wild. I mean, and and so I mean we've talked about you know um, actresses before and like them like being nude on film and how sometimes it feels gross. It never felt gross with her because she's just so confident and so in charge of it all. Um, and, and the funny thing is, like speaking of being in charge of it. 
she was the one who decided when she was going to do it. Dorothy Stratton's story, she they basically were like, you don't have to do this. She did it. She wanted she to like, get yes, comfortable. The fuck I do. <laughs> and then and then in the 90s, um there came a point where she's like, "No, I'm I'm not doing this anymore." And she said that in interviews. She's like, "This was written to be a topless thing." I was like, "No, not for me hmm. anymore." Hmm. So good for her. Uh I do want to, you know, right before we get to trading places, there's a couple other things she does. Most of these didn't really make a mark. Uh but Grandview USA is sort of a proto <sighs> John oh Hughes. God. I liked I liked I it too. I liked it. I have never um I like Patrick Swayze. I'm a human being on this earth. Correct. Like, you Correct. know, I I like grew up in the the height of Ghost and Dirty Dancing, um Point Break, Roadhouse like, yeah. But I've never like gotten it. You know what I mean? Like, I got to tell you, Patrick Swayze in that movie as like a dumb as like a dumb lunkhead was great. And also in that movie it's uh, like this, like Gavin was starting to say, like this, like sort of like John Hughes-ish kind of movie that kind of like gets into some trouble spots, maybe. <laughs> it's it's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like John Hughes, if John Hughes like actually wrote about people that didn't have money and right. yeah. in, in a diverse area, which is not to say that like the most progressive area, certainly like, but it is there's black people in the film and they actually feel like they have internal lives and right. no homophobia. No one's like dropping F bombs just for fun. And right. I was like shocked. I was like, Oh, these people feel real. These teenagers feel real. They're drinking and everything. But was they, a character with autism. Yeah. And there, but there's no like, and never the, never like the punchline, right. the character with autism. He's just like a guy who has autism. Yeah. I don't know. I was I was a little shocked because it comes before a lot of the John Hughes movies. Yeah. But then th- those sort of set the template and and changed everything. Um, but my my big thing about Grand View USA besides Patrick Swayze was um when Jennifer Jason Lee shows yes. up and she's like what in I was like what movie is she in? She is in that movie which is like a light breezy comedy. As like a vixen from the fifties, yeah. by way of her single white female character, <laughs> I said it is wild. I said that the costume point was that um, she's dressed. She's a community theater production of Sandy at the end of Greece. Very yeah, that. that's exactly Very what she is. That. One last thing too about Patrick Swayze, by the way, she's like the wind, which eventually went on to be the, like one of the big love themes from Dirty Dancing. He wrote for the Jamie Lee Curtis love story in this movie, and then the producers were like. Um, this movie is not that serious. <laughs> like you can't, <laughs> we can't put this song in the movie. Um, and the the other movie I want to point out during that era, nineteen eighty four, also is a movie called Love Letters. And I don't know yes. if either, oh my god, I fucking loved totally my my jam. Love Letters is um, essentially uh, it's written and directed by Amy Holden Jones, who had only written and directed one movie before this, which is Slumber Party Massacre. Uh, and uh, she wanted to do something that wasn't horror, and she brought it to Roger Corman, and Roger Corman was like, I'll produce it as long as there's some nudity in it. He's like, she can be lounging on a chair. It doesn't have to be sexual. So there is... Why does he want that? Because what? it sells, babe. <laughs> it sells. Cool. Louis, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. I think Gavin and I just created this term. Uh-uh. Um, sex sells. Yes. I think I just it's coined it just thing. now. Right, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, sex sells. But her inspiration was she went and saw the movie Shoot the Moon, which we talked about in our Diane Keaton episode. And she was like, why is the husband 
treated as a victim in this movie. And mm-hmm. why do I not know more about the poor woman that, that he had an affair with? And like, what's her story? And so she wrote this movie based around that. And I think it's a fascinating look. It's it's almost like it it, it is a little th- like it feels a little thriller esque. It's got some tense beats, but it's almost like um, if Fatal Attraction wasn't about a woman who's insane. <laughs> I don't think I liked it as much as you did. I described it to somebody as uh, the movie's called Love Letters, and the plot of the movie is: What if there were love letters? And I feel like that was the plot of the movie. No, um, she has an affair with a hot man, but he's married. Right, she's you know, she's lost in life, and she's like, my mother did this thing. I'm still taking care. I'm still like forced to take care of my father, who's an alcoholic. He left. He, you know, she left this man that she wasn't in love with. With me, I need this escape too. And then, like, she gets to the end and realizes, like, wait, I'm I'm not my fucking mother. I am acting a little crazy. Like, maybe I should bring it back and, like, do my own thing. Why couldn't you just lie to me? Why couldn't you just lie and say, and I don't love her? Would it be so hard? It's not fair, is it? I think you should leave. It was, I mean, like, it was, oh, it was fine. I did think the sex scenes were hot. Hot. Yeah, like especially hot. for hot right hilariously to, by the way that the guy that she's uh in love with in that movie is stacy keach's brother that's what i was just gonna say <laughs> yeah co-star of um what movie were road, they games. Just, were just, road games road games and also another john hughes connection amy holden jones went on to write beethoven with john hughes wow. with john hughes I far from think, the slumber party massacre <laughs> i also think it's super interesting that um she works with a lot of female writers and yes. female directors. And I wonder if that comes from the experience of working with Deborah Hill, uh, you know, in, in Halloween. But it is impressive when you look at all of the films. It feels like it's something that she's obviously championed outwardly, but even in the films that she chose. I do want to say that she ends up becoming very good friends with Deborah Hill and they, they have like a lifelong friendship um until deborah hill passed away unfortunately and halloween 2 sort of caps she says she went she went you know i mentioned she's friends with deborah hill and she goes back to do halloween 2 because she really thought like i owed it to these people you know carpenter was gonna direct he ends up not doing that and and she she's basically like okay done we're we're done with this wait did you watch halloween 2 probably not i I watched three halloween films okay and that was plenty. Okay. I watched Halloween okay. one. I watched Halloween H2O. And then I watched Halloween 2018 version. I can see watching Halloween and Halloween 2018 because like those are kind of direct. Were you confused at all in Halloween show? Were you confused at all? Because the revelation that she's his sister right. only occurs in Halloween 2. I was not confused. I was just assumed. I was like, and they say, he's like, my brother. And I was like, oh, I guess that was her brother. You know, I think that the brother sister thing is like, in some versions of the first one, they like threw in scenes that that had happened. Like I think at the, yeah, the, on the, 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 the TV, TV version. Ger- yeah. So what they did is they, they had to, cause Halloween's not a long movie. And so what they did is they, they went back and shot new scenes while they were shooting Halloween two for the TV version of Halloween. Wait, so Halloween two is like what? Like they just, he's like, Oh, surprise. I'm it's like the next night is literally uh, like yeah. they 
uh, yeah, Hall- at the hospital that night. How, yeah, I was going to say Halloween 2 takes place mostly on November 1st. Mm. <laughs> it is um, it is good by the standards of kind of like what horror movies had become at that point, which is yeah. funny because now Halloween sets the blueprint in 1978 and then in 1981, Friday the 13th has come out. All these other slasher movies have come out and now Halloween 2 is like, a thousand times more kills and they do it very stylishly and stuff. But what I thought was interesting about it. um, So in the book, the shape by Travis Mullins and Dustin McNeil, which is um, I've been listening to on audio. um, They pointed out that like, so Halloween one, the original Halloween, they're not brother and sister canonically Halloween two, they reveal that they are. So that means that in Halloween, the original, when Laurie Strode's adopted father asks her to go drop off the key at the Myers house on Halloween, that man is saying to his daughter, please go to the house where your brother murdered your sister on the anniversary of that and just drop off this key. Casual. It's a, a, like, yeah, a little errand. It doesn't make sense because in the first film, that wasn't the plan. But in the second film, it makes the actions of the first film seem insane (laughs) i mean i think what you're missing is that he and it's a deleted scene but he immediately jumps out and shouts punked and is like (laughs) you're his sister yeah 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 Yeah. i you know what i did miss that version of it but it is kind of crazy and her her wig is like all time in that movie right oh yeah like her wig Uh, in halloween too uh, louis watch just for the wig i'm gonna like google the wig right now there's a good movie in there i just don't think the What's funny What's... is I'm looking now at the wig, um, and <laughs> now her hair in the Halloween remake of 2018 makes so much sense. <laughs> right, exactly. She didn't. She did nothing with nothing. it from that moment nope, on. Nope. Even though that movie doesn't exist, I guess in the world. That's of true. Halloween, yeah. 2018. T- 2018. Gavin... I love the. I love the throwaway. Like I heard he was her sister, and, and she's the, like, no. "Well, that's just a rumor." Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get out of the of the Halloween stuff, and we're gonna move along into her career. Um, her her like big breakthrough, like I'm no longer the screen queen, is 1983's Trading Places. It's a comedy with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. She plays a sex worker in it. She shows her boobs. Everybody's like, "Oh my god, she's so grown up!" And she gets a BAFTA award for best actress in a supporting role. I did not revisit it, and I know I should have because I know it's it's so iconic in her career, but I've seen it before. I feel like I've seen it a billion times on TBS in the afternoon. and I hadn't seen it in 150 years, <laughs> um, and I rewatched it, and um, I hated it. <laughs> yeah, it's I, not. I don't I, um, like it either. Okay, good. Safe just, space. <laughs> I think it has just aged really poorly you know i was already kind of teetering with all of like the f words and like the racial slurs and maybe right now in this exact moment is not the time that i want to watch two straight old white men rich white men bet a dollar on whether or not they can ruin or save a black person's life Mm, yeah so by Mm -hmm. the time dan Aykroyd showed up at the end of that movie in blackface Mm -hmm. i thought no, thank you. Right, right. No, thank you. And it just all left me super, super icky. I thought she was great. I felt bad that she had to, like, be the love interest of Dan Aykroyd for, like, the first of three times. But um, 
Yeah, it wasn't for, it was a no for me. It's a no it for me. It's a dog. no for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a no for me, dog. Um, and also fuck John Landis. So anyways, uh, she, she, she then enters her like mid eighties period, which is not remembered as, um, shall we say perfect? <laughs> oh, uh, in 85, she does a movie called perfect 87, a man in love 87, amazing grace and Chuck and 88 Dominic and Eugene. I know you guys want to talk about perfect. So I'm going to open up the floor for that, for but session. I'm assuming I just real quick, um, I, out of all of those, I've seen Perfect and Amazing Grace and Chuck. Amazing Grace and Chuck is not great. It's very strange. Um, it's a, basically like a Disney movie about about kids protesting nuclear war. Mm. Um, yeah, and she's there's <laughs> it gets dark and deep. She's the the agent of a basketball player who like joins the protest and then gets fucking assassinated. Oh. Let's talk about 1985's Perfect just real quick. Well, I think the main thing is that. The media is bad. Mm-hmm. Don't trust the <laughs> well, media. I, Louis, could you expand on that? Because the movie was really subtle on that right. point. Well, they were, what, they were... what you don't get is that the media lies, takes things out of context, is only after the story. And right. um, especially <laughs> the hot, hot story of aerobics instructors. Yeah. Well, then, so this is the crazy thing. So essentially, uh, you have John Travolta, uh, young, hot John Travolta. He's a reporter for Rolling Stone, which I think that's the most shocking thing to me that Rolling Stone would be like, yeah, use our name. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Not only that, that Rolling Stone was like cover. Yeah, cover. The, the cover, cover story. This, the cover story for Rolling Stone magazine is going to be about how work. <laughs> Gyms are the new singles bars. What? And the whiplash between what? like his the other story that he's writing or like in the movie is like this big political scandal, corruption, and like this the the, the reporter is going from that to like yeah, my next big story I think is gonna be about you know fucking at the uh, the gyms. It is. I think. Uh, Gavin, you said said this about like I think you just said it about Halloween too, but like. That to me, perfect is like there is a good entertaining movie yes. in there. Yes, like you get rid of the subplot about the other story. You, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis at one point gets mad at him for recording a conversation that they're having, but he has the recorder out. He's not pretending right. that he isn't recording right. her. The stakes. He's not like holding flowers with a recorder hidden inside. Her, the you stakes know? couldn't be lower. Right, but also <laughs> the, the, the gag of like. She's like, that reporter wrote about, like, me having an affair. And he's like, well, was it the truth? And she's like, (laughs) yeah, but, like, still don't. Jesse, don't you think you're overreacting to this? Yeah, that's what the other reporter said to me. Oh, don't compare me to the other reporter. I didn't even mention your name. You think I care about my name? You talk to me about Emerson and baby boomers and physical great awakening, and all you do is write a fucking little piece about people getting into each other's pants. Hey, everything I wrote in that story is true. Everything the other reporter wrote about me was true, too, but it still hurts. It has no sense of irony that at one point, Jamie Lee Curtis, who is compelling in it, John Travolta is is very, very compelling in it, Mary Lou Henner, Lorraine Newman, like, it's not poorly acted, but there's no sense of irony when the, and during the big fight where she's like, what's so wrong with wanting to be perfect? And I was like, Girl, mm-hmm. you need therapy. Mm-hmm. I just, you're not okay, babe. Yeah. I just, I didn't, that said, can we just talk about the meme? The, oh, oh, the meme is, it's so good. You know, so if anybody, uh, you know, if you've ever seen the meme where it's like John Travolta moving his hips in an aerobics class and Jamie Lee Curtis also moving her hips in an aerobics class. And if that's all you know from it, 
you are ill prepared to watch this five minute scene mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. them truly eye fucking each yeah. other. Yeah, it's hot. It is the it is I was really, I think it's seven months of being in a pandemic where I was like, is this the most sexual thing I've ever seen? Is this really working for me? The answers were yes and yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, watch watch perfect, but please know that we all know it's not a good movie. Her next film though, 1988's A Fish Called Wanda, I think really sort of brings her back into her strong game. A Fish Called Wanda is this comedy co-written by John Cleese. She plays a thief in it. Uh, she is with Kevin Klein. They also work with Michael Palin, who has this uh, uh, like oppressive stutter, um, which I've heard people back and forth be like, oh, he's making fun of the disabled. His father had a stutter, and he basically patterned it off of his father's stutter i don't know if that makes it any better for anybody but i do like that he was kind of doing something in tribute to his father like he really thought hard about how his father's stutter was less pronounced when he was around people he trusted and and more pronounced around people that he was terrified of Mm -hmm. um and uh john cleese plays a, a barrister a lawyer in it and essentially her job is to seduce him and she actually does start to fall in love with him and she might betray the people that she's working with. Kevin Klein plays a complete asshole in it. The he's worst. so good. Yeah, just the worst. But he's so good at it. Oscar um, winner, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein for Fish Called Wanda. Exactly. First you know, and it's, only Oscar nomination. I was going to say, it's so funny. She's the one who, I think she's really great in it. I feel like she's the most overlooked part of it. She did um, get... Uh, she got golden a Golden Globe nomination, I think. Yeah, right? she yeah she was nominated at the Golden Globes, but I feel like BAFTA and the Oscars really went for all of the male roles. You know, um, she was I think she was also nominated at the BAFTAs for Best Actress, but, but like it feels like that movie like solidifies her as a comedic talent. Yeah, you know, absolutely. like where where trading places is sort of like yeah she's good in this. This is her breaking out of the teen roles, but but Fish Called Wanda really makes her as like a a comedy star. And what's really funny is John Cleese has talked about how each actor really shaped their role and how each of them came up with bits and things. And, um, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis has talked about how she, she had to be off camera for a lot of it because she kept cracking up. (laughs) Um, But I, I don't know. I I like that fact because she famously has said she cannot improvise at all. Mm-hmm. She said the only line she's ever improved in her entire career is make good choices yeah. from Freaky oh Friday. God. Which is a, I wrote that down for Freaky Friday because I yeah. always say that. Make good choices. Um, that, that was her. And, uh, but, but I refuse to believe that because I think John Cleese, I, why would John Cleese be like, I'm going to give credit to everyone else. Right. And, <laughs> um, but I don't know. Fish Called Wanda, very funny movie. Uh, 1990, she does Blue Steel for Catherine Bigelow. It's actually a role Catherine Bigelow wrote for her. Blue Steel, fun, crazy, crazy action movie. movie. I don't know if I call it fun. Crazy. I had no idea that that's what it was. Neither. So it was like a, a, I had always, I remember the, it's like one of those movies that I really remember the poster and like the video box, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always thought it was something else. I thought it was like maybe more of like a sex thriller, which I guess it is a little bit. Um, 
but I wasn't expecting the whole psycho angle, which is yeah. my favorite subgenre of movies. If you guys ever want to have me back, okay. it's my Psychos. favorite subgenre of movies. What's wild though is like, Write that we down. know. The, 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 <laughs> we know, Eddie. <laughs> well, the scene of like the bad guy who's just like working out and like saying how I'm a god, I was yes. like, well, the, what? I, the, 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 the crazy thing in the movie, the, the part that I think is truly insane is that the, the, the villain in the film, Ron Silver, gets a cop's gun and then turns into a terminator yeah just like unkillable mm-hmm. just perfect shot it's yep. just running nuts. and smarter than everybody else like yep. he get like the way he gets out of these like the way he gets out of these jams is kind of ridiculous oh but, yeah um but he's like a pretty good psycho oh, and like he's not so really good in that it. pantheon of yeah. of psychos. I was disappointed because I because like I said, I didn't know much about it. But when I saw Elizabeth Pena, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. She's in this movie. And then she has like, what, one scene? Yeah, uh, but she's fine. No spoilers. Right. Nothing she's OK by the end. Um, I, I just mostly thought like, man, this movie's literally just like men suck. That's it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Catherine Bigelow. I, I, I mean, we, we've only ever really talked about one other Catherine Bigelow on this movie on this show, which is Strange Days. Uh, but I, I, what a good fucking director. Yeah, what a good, she's like, so great. She's so good. <laughs> and and we're you know we're entering the '90s now, and you're gonna see Jamie Lee Curtis's career sort of ebb and flow a lot. And she's a verse queen. Uh, she, she's a verse queen. Uh, she's a verse also, queen. We can relate. (laughs) (laughs) Truth. (laughs) There's stuff going on in her personal life that I've skipped over. So I guess now would be a good time to mention um, in terms of her, you know, she's married to previous subject Christopher Guest, which means she does actually hold a royal title. By the way, Um, she is the right honorable, the lady Hayden Guest. Um, She has said uh, the title has nothing to do with me. Um, <laughs> she prefers essentially, the title boss ass bitch. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> essentially, she's like hanging out in her apartment uh, with Deborah Hill. She's fanning through Rolling Stone, and she sees a picture of Christopher Guest with the Spinal Tap guys out of costume, and she's like, "I'm gonna marry that guy." Deborah Hill's like, you know, he like works in our agency, right? With like we. <sighs> So Deborah Hill calls the agency. Deborah Hill's for like, "That's her. my best friend, crazy." Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so uh, she like essentially gets a hold of his agent, and she's like, "Hi, I'm Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I think Christopher Guest is really cute. Here's my number. Have him call me." He never calls. Uh, like a month later, they're at a restaurant. Uh, she's at a restaurant. She sees Christopher Guest across the way. He like nods and like raises his glass to her, like, oh like, hey, I got your note. Um, and she like kind of nods too, like whatever. And so he gets up to to leave and is kind of like, okay, well, good to see you, I guess. And she's like, yeah, whatever, playing it cool <laughs> and everything. Uh, a month later, they go on their first date. Uh, but he's leaving to go to New York to be on uh, Saturday Night Live. He tries to get out of his Saturday Night Live contract to continue dating her. Can't do it. Only does SNL for a year. Comes back to LA. And they are married on December 18th, 1984. The most wild thing about that is she can't improvise. And he famously fucking like hates people (laughs) who can. 
who are camped. I know. And, uh, you know, that's true love. He broke through. That- she broke through. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Because he also, was fa- I mean, we talked about this in the episode. He's famously, like, one of the most prickly people. And oh, my God. is like, is so unimpressed by, you know, anyone famous. But that's what I, I, the funny thing is about her versus him in interviews. Like, he is so reserved and so, like, throw it back in their face and everything. And, and she's, like, she is, as you mentioned, Eddie, she is very control freak, but she she goes into interviews wanting to have fun. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going to I'm not going to be like a dick. Right. I'm going to you're going to enjoy this as much as I enjoy this. She seems like she's always having fun, right? Like yeah. she's doing Activia commercials. Yes. And you're like, this woman is having the time of her life. Yes, absolutely. Um, and her greatest uh, role. That's my five star review. Activia. The four star review. All right, end this podcast. The four star review is the the photographs of her yelling at her um, publicist in, in the restaurant where she's like drinking, you know, and then like is yelling. Yeah, exactly. They um. So they they have two children together. Uh, they adopt their child Annie in 1986, and they adopt another child Thomas in 1996. Uh, and as I mentioned, like we're in the nineties and it's, it's kind of this, um, it's a little bit back and forth. She does my girl, which is kind of a huge hit. She plays Aveda Salton Fuss's like new, like soon to be stepmother. Like, I guess that really doesn't come into play until the second movie, but she's, she's the paramour of Veda's What's father. My, and her and my girl is like the softest. I think we like see yes. her. She's there's there's nothing like exaggerated about her. And a lot of these other movies, they're kind of broad in whatever genre it is. You know, whether she's going for big laughs or big scares or like even like Grandview USA, she's like you know this larger than life character. In my girl, she's truly just like you need a mom, hun. Like she's very yeah. sweet. Yeah, she's so I, warm and maternal. It's it's she's it's a great performance. I have to say, and because I, I want to get it out because it's definitely not either of my picks, but like I love her performance in my girl. I genuinely do because it is it is this way and like if you think about it like it you know it's she has been at this point in time she's been a mother for six years they're considering adopting another child which will come along in about four years um I don't know there there is this like maternal aura that she's just like giving out in that movie it's so good Shelly do you think I'm pretty yes Beta I think you're very pretty you've got these Great, big, sparkling eyes, cutest little nose, an amazing mouth. Boys at school don't think I am. They'll come around. Close your eyes. I want to bring out the gorgeous color in them. Now, the first rule in applying eye makeup is you can never wear enough blue eyeshadow. But (laughs) the dark side of that maternal aura she does forever young in 1992 we won't talk about it because mel gibson uh (laughs) but in 1993 mother's boys gorgeous perfect film (laughs) oh my god what that movie is a real problem louis did you watch mother's boys i'm scared louis you need to do yourself a favor and watch mother's boys i saw the poster and i was like i'm scared (laughs) <laughs> no, don't. There's don't be. there is nothing to be scared of, um, <sighs> except if you are like not into mother son bathtub scenes. It's uh, like you're. That's like not what you're into. Uh, then like don't watch it. But if you but if you're into that, okay, then I definitely just, get your hands on it. So this is the era of like the the psychosexual thriller that you you have your 
fatal attractions and you have your basic instincts and then this fucking movie and and like there is no she's like sweeps into this movie constantly wearing white turtlenecks bleach blonde she's like i'm insane have you met me hi i'm crazy right, just like and looking uh, at her looking at the photos in this movie i'm like i also feel like she's insane and but like not insane enough like it's yeah. not cra- she's not crazy I, the craziest I think she, thing she does i think she's insane on paper more than yeah. than jamie lee curtis is insane in the movie She's, like, not crazy in, like, a fun enough way. Like, I wanted her to have more, like, Rebecca de Mornay right, hand she, that rocks the cradle energy. She does, like, <laughs> mentally seduce her son and then try and kill their dog in an attempt to kill her ex-husband's new girlfriend. How old is this I think son? that's a little crazy. How, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. F- maybe, like, 13, 14? Um, why does she want to like, seduce him? Um... To, to like, yeah, unclear <laughs> to like get him on her side. I guess she's like, the... love your mommy physically. Like she, Just, she's like, it's... oh, he's like. At one point, she's like, bring me the phone. She's in the bathtub, and he comes in. And he's like, but you're naked, and she's like, well, I've seen you naked plenty of times, and it's like, nope, 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 nope. Guess, do you see the scar? Look at it, wherever I was. I would see that and think of you. It's the rare movie that really does everything wrong. Like that gets everything wrong in the way that like you could see what they're going for. And you're just like, oh, no, this is the wrong way to go about. It's like not it's not fun. It's it's and and the funny thing is like. That son is fucked up forever. Yeah, oh, and yeah. He's and the and the movie does not address it at the end. Like it just sort of ends, and you're just like, oh no, that kid needs like years of therapy. Every decade, there's like the the Jamie Lee Curtis Renaissance. Yeah. there's like yeah. the 1994's True Lies comes around. Um, True Lies is a movie that is notorious too long, and <laughs> but, <laughs> notoriously has like four endings. Uh, it's a classic uh, four, James Cameron five-ending movie. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. does not want to end a movie. I was going to say four is you being nice. <laughs> um, like, they really had Jamie Lee Curtis hanging out of a helicopter. And they were like, they we were, could go for another 40 minutes, guys. <laughs> yeah, we could do better than this. <laughs> doesn't, we like, could do better. Doesn't, like, a nuclear bomb go off in the background after they, like, safely yes. land? Yeah. And then they're like, <laughs> Correct. but then Eliza Dushku... <laughs> She's been stolen. I, I had never seen this movie before. Oh, really? Yeah, never seen. Oh, this. Did you like it? I, what did you think? I, and it's all I was thinking. I was like, "Oh, this is a James Bond movie, like wannabe yeah. popcorn version of that." Um, but also weirdly, like it's a weird mashup of like James Cameron was like, "Okay, we're doing the four quadrant, like bitch, like because it's insane action, but also like goofy, goofy family nonsense where like." I thought of like Mr. and Mrs. Smith type things yeah. or like we're a family. It's crazy. And like, you know, uh Oh, she's cheating. And like, don't want that. Like it's, it's, but also I, I, I did not know that this scene uh, came from this movie where she's stripping for him, um, stripping for Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm like, this is hot as fuck. Banging. She bod. is that- when she lets, when she's stripping for him Yeah, and she lets go uh, mm-hmm. is writhing against the bedpost and slips off of it. I've seen <laughs> that a thousand times. Thing. It makes me laugh every time. Also, is this the only movie Arnold Schwarzenegger has ever been attracted in? 
I mean, I buy that also. And maybe it's just because they, they I think they have like really good chemistry, actually. I was like, I want to see them in that bag. And the build up to it where she like tears the sleeves off the dress. She throws and she like the water the from the, water. The, the vase like in her hair. It's, and then also yeah. but she does that really. I mean, she's such a comedic genius because like she, her tits are out. She's looking great. And she's like walking all sexually. And then she like trips a little bit. And I'm like, God, it's just so good. She's never taking herself too seriously. And so there was no rehearsal. None. He had no idea what was going to happen. None of us did. He had a camera, like, that, you know, on a dolly. There were 100 people in the room. And it was truly, there was that moment where I remember saying, huh, okay. I'm about to do this. And what's yeah. about to happen? And then let it happen. Yeah. And ultimately let her own it. Let you her did. control it. You totally did. But, but that's at, a... first, at the beginning, of course, she's not. You know, she's very nervous. And I think that's sort of what you I, I think that's the perfect way to get out of that movie is is that that's what she's doing is she's proving that she is both this really fierce action star. You know, she gets that job because James Cameron, you know, at was with Catherine Bigelow and Catherine Bigelow suggested her and it, it all clicks. Um, and then once again, it's suddenly this downswing she does. House Arrest and Fierce Creatures, which was supposed to be this big comeback for the cast of uh, A Fish Called Wanda, and it's a total disaster. And and really, it's not, you know, the upswing Jamie Lee Curtis again until 1998's Halloween H2O, 20 years later. H2O, man, what, what do you guys think of H2O? I will be discussing H2O later in a different segment. Excellent. I would, I, I, I would be remiss if we didn't say that True Lies is definitely the closest Jamie Lee Curtis gets to an Oscar nomination, right? Yeah, like, that's true. She's SAG Award nominated. Um, she's uh, wins the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy. Um, you feel like there's... If there wasn't some category confusion there, H2O. I, I will relent, but I think it's a... I love it. I love it. Louie? Um... <laughs> Why don't we move past uh, uh, H2O for the moment? Uh, but then once again, back into that downswing. There's a virus in 1999, Drowning Mona, which is kind of disastrously reviewed, even though it's a huge cast. You know, you have Danny DeVito and, and Bette, Midler. Uh, Bette Midler. I watched and that and I was like, I, the movie Nev, was, Campbell, Nev Campbell, the, which is uh, the, the meaning of the Scream Queens. But a, yes. a gloriously miscast Nev Campbell. Oh, yeah. she does her yeah. best. She do, I think Nev Campbell always does her best. Don't ever let anybody say that I don't think Nev Campbell is trying. I but I, I, just, I think like, she's a little minutes in and Bette Miller's screaming. And I'm like, you know what? Bette's always fun. I'm here. I'm here. She does the Taylor Panama, and I only bring up the Taylor Panama because it, it's a fine movie, and I actually think she's very good in it. And I think everybody's very good in it. But I I remember her talking about you know as I mentioned, she, it's directed by John Borman, who was like 97 years old at this point that's an exaggeration but um and she said you know in between scenes him and jeffrey rush would sit there and talk about process and all these things and she would just stand there with pierce brosnan like looking at each other and <laughs> finally like they went they were in an elevator one day and she's like you know i feel like such a fucking bad actor because of all this and he's like yeah me too <laughs> like <laughs> and i just like that she she's like everybody has their own process she's like you know, i'm just every... out there playing pretend i don't know what the fuck yeah, is going exactly. on exactly what other art form do you create on a schedule what other art form any art form, writing, photography, where you say, we are going to shoot 
the love scene between Gaga and Jamie on Friday at 10 o'clock, right. they are going to create that thing. And what if it's not there? What if right. that moment of creation isn't happening? Right. In, in our business, unless you have a director who has a lot of money and time and he can go back to it, you have to. And so it's a forced there. creation and there's a team of people it's creating beautiful. that moment. Mm -hmm. And when you see a moment in a movie that is mm -hmm. so staggering, you mm -hmm. realize the amount of dance that has created that forced creation moment. It really, it always humbles me and makes me understand how much I love a great performer when all of that can happen. Halloween Resurrection in 22, which was her big, or 2002, which was her big swing to finally end her role in the series. She said, enough. Yeah. Jennifer she Lopez, said, Jennifer enough. Jennifer Lopez, enough. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> but the next movie she does, once again, is that, like, yep, swing. 2000, Jamie Lee Curtis Renaissance Freaky Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, Freaky Friday is a remake of a previous film starring Jodie Foster in the Lindsay Lohan role. Uh, she becomes really good friends with Lindsay Lohan. She, she Lindsay Lohan to this day says she can like call up Jamie Lee Curtis really? and ask oh, her for poor advice. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, no. yeah. Can you just imagine her phone ringing at 3 a.m.? Do not give your phone number to Lindsay Lohan. No one gives your number honestly, to her. Honestly, like... I think that's a good influence to have in your oh, life. Oh, for sure. If you I, could contact Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, my God. If she could be your phone a friend if you were, like, drunk at 3 a.m. in a bar. It's just like, Jamie Lee, I just want you to know. And Lindsay has done that so many times. You are. Yeah. All jokes aside, I couldn't be rooting for anyone more than I'm rooting for Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> I will be here when she has her Drew Barrymore-esque uh, return <laughs> and hosts a crazy talk show much like it, it will be more. crazy i think in freaky friday the hot take on my hot take on freaky friday is that like when that movie came out and it was such a huge hit um jamie lee curtis got all the flowers for it right i think she was golden yeah. globe nominated again i think she's probably like long 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 listed maybe for best actress like she did you know like there was a lot of buzz around her looking back on it watching that movie again maybe this morning Lindsay Lohan is great in that movie. You think? Like she, oh, I think she's great. You didn't think so? I thought. I think Jamie Lee Curtis is doing a lot of like acting and like the whoever wrote that script. I don't. I don't have it. I. Um, I that's my big issue. I've. I've never really liked that movie that much. But good God, the script, which is written by uh, Heather Hatch and Leslie Dixon, they genuinely believe like a 16 year old girl yeah. is the, is a psychotic monster. Yeah, yeah. Like Jamie Lee Curtis talk. doing. Yeah. Yeah. I could not believe but also, how crazy the, she is. Like the, the, I think one, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is acting circles around Lindsay Two, I think it's way easier for her to play the like bratty teenager. Lindsay Lohan, the, the script that they've given her, the, they're making her be like, She's acting like some old, elder, like, debutantess woman. And I'm like, yeah. that's not what a normal, like, California mom talks like. What are you doing? I can't do this. It was horrifying. No, no, it's okay, mom. I unplugged you. Just go back out there and fake it. No, I don't even know how to do that. Come on, mom. You can't tell me you never went to a rock concert. Okay, I saw the Stones one. Okay, great, great. Just go out there and act like Keith. Keith, right. Yeah. Richard's mom! I knew that. All right, just go act like Keith. Act like Keith. And I, 
and I don't think the 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 performances at the beginning when they're in their normal bodies inform those later right, performances correct. either, which is crazy to me because that's what you need to. They should have spent weeks studying each other and been like, "Fuck the lines in the script." Like, yeah. and then from there, it's just like until Halloween, and I guess you could say her cameo in the Veronica Mars movie, which love love Gorgeous. love love perfect yeah perfect. Perfect. playing perfect. a lawyer too nonetheless really connecting back to her roots um but it's like kind of disaster comedy after disaster comedy after that she's in beverly hills chihuahua she's in you again um and then finally 2018's halloween which she said she did because you know david gordon green get, sent her the script and she saw what was happening the only thing I haven't really talked about in her personal life, and I did mention this up front, is um, she is a recovering addict. Uh, she had uh, nearly a decade-long addiction to both alcohol and pain pills. Uh, she got addicted to them after dental surgery, actually. And she sort of realized, you know, this was going to be the fight of her life. She talks about it a lot. I really think she's very brave for talking about it because she talks about it in such a frank way. I was in a good stable marriage, writing books for children that were bestsellers. I was getting more and more work and more and more fame and attention and adulation. I got more as my addiction got worse, not less. My high bottom made that denial much more pervasive because it was all working. It's not working because if you are asking yourself, can I stop this? Then you're in a prison of your own mind. And I was in that prison, even though I was fabulous and all the bullshit part of show off business. And I can totally see why she would accept this version of Laurie Strode because in H2O, you get the alcoholic Laurie Strode, the Laurie Strode who's into self-medicating. Here you get the one who has come out of the other side of that. And I, I think that's such an interesting um, area for her to play. I famously don't particularly care for the 2018 Halloween, I'll be honest. Uh, but I think she is the best part. And I think she has some of the best, most relevant lines, uh, which occur in the first half an hour. Um, especially when she's talking about uh, our propensity as people to care about the perpetrators of crimes and not the victims. Mm. We just want to know why we want a glimpse inside his mind. That's why your story is so important. My story? Two failed marriages, rocky relationship with your daughter and granddaughter. Michael Myers murdered five people. And he's a human being we need to understand. I'm twice divorced and I have a basket case. Well, I thought it was scary as fuck, first of all. No one should watch it. Um, <laughs> no one should watch it. Like, why put yourself through the trauma of seeing this scary fucking movie? But she she genuinely feels the same way. She has said in interviews, there is a whole business of people paying money to eat bad popcorn, drink sugary drinks, and have the shit scared out of mm-hmm. them. And she doesn't know why mm-hmm. people do it. <laughs> um, but, but also saying that, like, the end of it is really... Um, I was like, yes, bitch, work. Like, you know, it's. It, I think there's a lot of payoff there. And this is coming from me who, like, is not invested in the whole, you know, series and whatever. But, like, Judy Greer, I think, is really good in it. I think the... Oh, Judy Greer is so fucking good. She's the other good part of that I think, like, movie. the That's kids it. are really good. Um, and it's genuinely scary. I think the Halloween uh, franchise kind of went into, like, 
off the rails, goofy nonsense realm for a while. Um, and uh, this feels like, you know, bringing it back. And I, I was just saying this, like I hate saying the word like real. What like, who gives a fuck? But <laughs> it's it. it the, the stakes felt a lot higher. Just seeing the three, like these three generations of women being like, "Fuck this man." And like him, like torturing us, like so. I enjoyed it, even though I fucking hated watching it. Yeah, I mean, I really, I really like it as a movie. I like it as part of like the Halloween canon, which I'm like very in the bag for. But um, I don't think it does anything that the some of the other Halloween movie. It's retreading a lot of territory that the other it Halloween really already. Is. I... A lot of the beats, like even the alcoholic alcoholism and the trauma they do that in h2o into my (laughs) as you'll hear i think they do it pretty well um and also i think they go so far to erase the lineage of the other halloween movies but then treat michael myers and the legend of michael myers as if all these other things happened because really if it's just halloween one and halloween 2018 um essentially 40 something 40 years ago this guy killed three people. Right. And now like, and so, yeah, there are like the podcast angle and all of that, but like they're treating him like this big thing, which it's awful that he killed these three people. Right, But, it's, but he's like, barely like a serial killer then. You're right. Well, you know, he's not even technically a serial killer. He's a spree killer. killer. I, so, I, I believe under technical terms. Yes. I know the difference between a spree <laughs> killer and a serial killer. Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> um, and meeting. That said, I think that it is, like, in- incredibly well-directed. Like, definitely the best-directed film since the first one. It's, an enjoy, like, really enjoyable. I think Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing. They, like, really bank on the idea, though, that the trauma is just, like, really localized to this woman and her family. You know, she treated her daughter in mm-hmm. such a fucking crazy way and made her daughter resent her. And she's now, you know, like, this little hermit living and behind her, like, fucking forested, guarded, whatever. And so it's not really about, like, this serial killer who's, like, ravaged a, a community or whatever. Um, it's literally just about them. But I guess it's, it's also weird, though, because he does kill, like, what, three, four, five other people in the movie. I think we're all in agreement that, like, the movie handles trauma and what trauma does to a person fairly well, especially for a horror movie. Um, and Jamie Lee Curtis embodies that really well, and so does Judy Greer. This is sort of, like... Hey, if you, it's kind of like had you never shown up, he would have just like gone on his merry right. way and killed whoever else. That said, I am really interested about Halloween Kills is the next one that was supposed to come yeah. out in October. Right. Now it's coming out next year because I think like it almost feels as if they've gotten all their homages out of the way. They've done all of that. And I'm really interested to see where they take the story next. And I'd follow Laurie Strode anywhere man <laughs> <laughs> um i do i do want to mention and you mentioned this up at top i mean this uh, you know uh, outside of knives out which she's part of the ensemble of which came out last year um and halloween kills which is upcoming and and halloween ends which is going to be the the third and final of the films um outside of that you know i didn't really mention her tv work she was on anything but love which was a sitcom with richard lewis uh that ran from 1989 to 1992 uh it's funny richard lewis has said she was such a ham that she she'd never done you know live she's not a theater queen 
And so she'd get in front of the audience and be like, oh, they're laughing. Like, I should do this up more. <laughs> and and so he'd like, you know, by the end of by the end of each take, she'd be like really feeling it and have them rolling in the aisles. And he kind of loved watching that part of her come alive because she's just a natural born entertainer. And she parlays it into other TV work when she's not doing films. She ends up doing a run on NCIS where she ends up uh, being sort of the love interest of Mark Harmon, who also played her husband in Freaky Friday. So it was a mini reunion there. And she has a reoccurring role on New Girl where she plays Zoe Deschanel's mother. Um, I've never seen any of her episodes. That's not a New Girl oh, fan. You know who, her, who Zoe Deschanel's father is and Jamie Lee Curtis's ex-husband on the show is Rob Reiner, director of this is Spinal Tap. Wow. Oh my god! Starring I actually, I actually kind of really like that. Guess. Yeah. Oh, That's I kind of really like That's that. That's fun. Yeah, um, cute, right? She did Scream Queens for Ryan Murphy for two seasons, and there's a great little actors on actors with her and Lady Gaga on YouTube. If you want to <laughs> give a look at that, um, and Oscar-winning uh, actress Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Hi, Oscar-winning songwriter. That, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oscar-winning say... comma actress. <laughs> actress. <laughs> Outside of all these amazing things she's done in sort of her Hollywood life, she is also a prolific children's book author. Yes. She has she has written 13 children's books, the last being Me, My Selfie, and I, A Cautionary Tale in 2018. Love that. Me, My Selfie, and oh. I. Aww. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, and she's one of one of her best selling ones uh, is a book about adoption because she said she had to deal with parents saying things to her children like, well, she's not your real mother. Wow. Yeah, uh, which I'm sure is a really fun thing. And once again, and I have said this several times on this fucking show, so much respect for people who adopt. Mm -hmm. There are so many children who need homes in this world. Um, So yeah, good for her. Uh, And she also holds a patent. I found this so interesting. So interesting. In 1987, she created her own diaper. It's a modification of a diaper that has a moisture-proof pocket where you can put wet wipes, um, and it can be taken out with one hand while you're changing a child. But she refused to sell it to big diaper industry um, until everybody decided to start using biodegradable diapers. Um, And in 2007, that patent expired and is now in public domain. Um, But in 2016, she's like, "Mm -mm, I'm not done with my diaper revolution, bitch. No, she patented another diaper, <laughs> and uh, that's set to expire in 2036. So who knows? Who knows what that is? Diaper queen. Diaper queen. She's a classic diaper queen. That's, I've said it before. It's on her scruff profile. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, no. Um, we don't kink shame, but... Uh, I, I love that she's just like, I love being a mom. Yeah. <laughs> I am the mommiest mom you'll ever mom. Well, um, I, that's so, but like I, Louis said that, and I think her roles, like Christmas, you know, the ones we haven't talked about, Christmas, the cranks, and you, you again, like Freaky Friday. She's such a good mom on screen. She really like she's there, really is just like this warmth to her when she plays a mom. It's so like yeah. to your, exactly what you said, Gavin. Like imagine being able to just like call Jamie Lee Curtis when you're in trouble. I feel like. I mean, you know, I've got a great mom because I'm sure she will listen to this. My mom is amazing. She's great. (laughs) But I would love to be able to call Jamie Lee Curtis in addition to my own mother. Something that we haven't been able to talk about in a while, um, shockingly, since we just did John Hughes is philanthropy, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So she 
helped finance the rebuilding of the Great Synagogue in Budapest, Hungary, when she started to reconnect with her Jewish heritage, which I think is kind of cool. And she, she's obviously supported a lot of uh, recovery uh, charities, including um, 2003 Women in Recovery, which is a 12-step program for women in need. Uh, Children Affected by AIDS Foundation, she supported that. Um, and she plays a leadership role in for, uh, Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Um and supported the 2011 opening of a new inpatient facility for the organization. I said many times on the show, I think it's important that we talk about charities and what people support when we can find that information, because I think so often people look at celebrities and actors and, and they say, you know, like, why does this person's opinion matter? They should stick to the things they know. And they don't realize a lot of these people have money. They put it towards the causes they believe in. And they can give millions of dollars to something they truly believe in. She's literally, you know, doing uh, campaigning and fundraising for the Democratic ticket right now. Absolutely. Rock on. Um, I do. I do want to end this segment and we're going to move into our picks in just a second. But I do want to end this segment by returning to that New Yorker article about not having done hard work. That New Yorker article ends with the interviewer asking, are there any roles that you've done that you think are unsung that no one asks you about? And Jamie Lee Curtis's response is, please. You know what? I get so much effing attention, which is just obscene, really. I've been doing this for a long, long time, and I've been successful at it since I was 19. There's not a day I don't walk down the street and somebody goes, hey, I love you. You're fantastic. And I appreciate it. I get it. It's been my gig. I don't need any more attention. What a fucking answer. Is she yeah. the, I mean, she's the best, guys. She's genuinely the best. And with that, I think it's time we move into our picks. So why don't we start with our one-star reviews? Eddie, I want you to go first. We do like to have our guests go yes. first. So. so I don't think my one-star review will be super controversial. Um, it was tough. There were a lot of stinkers in here. And I, you know, I think I've made it clear I love Jamie. Jamie Lee, as I like to call mm-hmm, her, because mm-hmm. um, that's her name. Personal um, friend. Yeah, um, but it's 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 got to be virus for me. Mm. I could not, I could not grasp onto even a moment of the film, and I think it's the only movie that that I've watched um, where she's not even. Like, it's not even, there's no, like, even charm or charisma coming for, off of yeah. her. Um, it was really close between that and Fierce Creatures for me, just because, um, but I think oh Fierce Creatures is more of a disappointment, because yeah. you're just, like, very big expectations. But Virus, she's, like, it's also, um, she's matched with, like, William, Billy Baldwin, which, I know, th- which is thing. exactly the type of guy who I'd expect to be in this space genre. Yes. Movies. Yes, exactly. You, it's so, it's so funny too, because like the, I remember sort of the selling point of that movie. I remember when that movie came out, sort of the selling point of the movie was like acting legacies. It's like, we have a Baldwin, we have Jamie Lee Curtis of oh, interesting, and we have yeah. Donald Sutherland, who's the father of Keith or Sutherland. Donald Sutherland oh, yeah. is, oh my God, indeterminable in this movie. Mm-hmm. I just, I did, would, when I like really clued in and was like, is he doing an accent? I think there's a mutiny happening. I thought there is a version of this movie that is so stupid that it is a blast. (laughs) And instead of doing that movie, they did whatever version of it that I guess I watched. I I don't even, it's already been scrubbed from my brain. I really, really didn't enjoy it. Are you out of your fucking mind? No one else. 
is going to claim salvage on this vessel, but us. You're no longer in charge. I just think that you watch that movie and, and maybe it's also because I bring so much of my own, like I really like Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis yeah. as like a celebrity and as a, as an actress, but also just as a per- persona, I guess. Yeah. Um, you feel like she's not having any fun. Like, I don't like yeah. to watch a movie where I'm actively feeling bad for somebody. Um, that thinking like, oh, every day must have been a fucking nightmare. So I did not enjoy that. That is my one star review for Virus. I would like to go next, actually, because I'm going to piggyback off of you. I rarely do this, but it is my show. So I give myself leeway. I'm going to give it a tie. I'm going to get. And one of them is fucking Virus. Virus is an awful movie. It's gross. It's like terribly boring for a movie that's that gross Mm -hmm. and also what's crazy about is it come it comes about a decade too late for this because when we were kids there was like robocop and stuff and and toxic avenger the movies that shouldn't have had toy lines that somehow did this movie came out in 1999 and it had an action figure and tie-in video game this is a hardcore r-rated movie there are guts there is blood it's gross i don't understand it but the thing that ties this together with my other pick which is 2004's christmas with the cranks Mm. is character arcs and i think the problem here is and jamie lee curtis has said it herself she's really good at pretending to be other people but i think the key to pretending to be other people is being able to figure out something to latch onto about how they change over time And my problem with both Virus and Christmas with the Cranks is she is playing one note and she plays it throughout the entire movie. And Mm. I think part of that's on the on the script page. Virus, real quick, by the way, is a is a film about a a tugboat that comes across a Russian research vessel, which has been taken over by a sentient electric alien that is slowly turning its crew into cyborgs and wants to take over the Earth and she plays this ex-Navy officer who is also the, I guess she's like the skipper on the tugboat, who's like, by the books and wants to do everything and my dad and everything. And like, literally all her lines are like, we got to do it this way. My dad, this way is the way it's got to be done. And and that's it. That's that one note over and over and over again. It's weird to hear you even describe the movie virus because I'm like, it's, it also is a movie that literally doesn't exist, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it just like it has been lost to time. I didn't hate Christmas with the Cranks. I had never seen it. It's not oh, good. It's I don't so begrudge. Bad. I don't begrudge you your one star review at all, um, because it's not great. I just was. It was very like fine. This movie's on. Um, what I didn't like about it is that the the bulk of the movie is Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> spent being horny for Tim Allen. She's always trying to have sex with him in that movie. Yeah. And I just <laughs> she, I don't believe either, that to be true about anybody. She's right. either super horny for Tim Allen or so scared of her neighbors that you're like, why is this woman not a shut in? It's it's uh, it's it's a it's a, and, uh, like her fifth time with Dan Aykroyd. I know. I know. Christmas of the Cranks, by the way. Um is a Christmas movie that exists in the magical world in which there are no Jewish people. <laughs> and, and it's a it's a film in which her and her husband uh, decide they're going to skip Christmas this year because their daughter, played by the great Julie Gonzalo, who we've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Who is show. also the mean girl in Freaky Friday. She is. Yes, she absolutely yes. is. Um, they, they decide they're not going to do Christmas this year. They're going to go on a cruise. And the town, like 
turns <laughs> against <laughs> them like they're Frankenstein's monster. I just will not let them not celebrate Christmas. But that's only the first 40 minutes plot. And then the next plot of the movie is their daughter is coming home with her fiance, who she got engaged to while in Peru. And they need to like put together Christmas real quick or else their daughter's Christmas is going to be ruined. Luther, I can't live like this anymore. Huh? We can't go out. Everywhere we go, people are whispering behind our backs. I can't go home. It's too depressing. I mean, there's no tree, no lights, no music. I can't talk to you. You're just consumed with yourself. And there is the hackiest, heartfeltiest moment at the end of the movie that, like, goes for your jugular that I was just like, fuck you guys. (laughs) Which I'm not going to tell you about, but it's just, yeah, Tim Allen sucks yeah just he's not good at a lot and this movie clearly highlights that there's a subplot with actual santa in this movie oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay it's and, not good oh no fine that's um, right. you're right but, it's but, my, but my problem is is like her job is her job is to like either cower in her house out of fear of the neighbors be horny for tim allen or to freak out to like an 11 anytime her daughter calls out throughout that movie. It's the weirdest choices. And once again, she never has anywhere to go. There's never like any lesson that Nora Crank learns that improves her life or changes her as a person. So much so, in fact, that they have this terrible experience about almost skipping Christmas. And at the very end of the movie, Tim Allen's like, sorry, we aren't able to go on this cruise and we couldn't skip Christmas. And she literally says, maybe next year. Boop. Yeah, fuck these movies, Virus, <laughs> Christmas of the Cranks. Louis, what is your one-star review? Okay, so I just don't want anyone to be mad. Um, I, From what I watched, I, I guess I set myself up for failure because I did not, I purposefully did not watch the, like, shitty bad movies, I guess. Like, I did not watch fucking Beverly Hills Chihuahua or... Oh, I, I did sit through that, but she's basically a glorified cameo in that movie, okay. so it's hard and for it me to be... Hit. A, it was a hit. It spawned two direct-to-video sequels. I don't think Piper Baraboo's in either of them. But also starring Drew Barrymore as the voice of the Chihuahua. What a choice to have Drew Barrymore I didn't as know, the I voice I didn't know the character. Chihuahuas talked in these movies, but... Guys, I'm eating my kibble. Isn't it quirky? Stop. <laughs> oh my god, that was good. Uncanny. Oh, thank you. Um, so from what I watched, I was like, what? And I'm so sorry, Eddie, but it's H2O. I can... Oh, no. I... I wow. I, I, wow. I just... Between wow. the introduction of Josh Hartnett and Michelle Williams's like, decimated eyebrows and the scene at the end where, like, they're almost going to touch and hold hands because I don't know, because sister, brother, like whatever that moment is, I don't understand it. Um, also, Ella Cool J, who like wants to be a romance novelist and like is just like yelling at his girlfriend the entire time. LL Cool J has my favorite line in that movie, though, which I think is clearly an improv, which is when he tells Josh Hartnett to brush his hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will admit that in that film. And I don't know if we can put this up. I know you guys have like a, a Tumblr. No, you. I don't know, if, like on your on your Twitter. But I do think that if you were to put up 
a picture of Michael Myers in his mask and a picture of Josh Hartnett with his hair, you would Same. not be able to tell which is which. This, uh, yeah. that- I'm not saying it's a perfect film. Louis, I don't begrudge you your wrong, bad opinions. <laughs> I think that you are welcome to have them, even if they are wrong and I go just, against everything I believe in. Listen, at the time, there was like, I don't understand like why in like the new millennium, every movie had to take place at some snooty like private school. Genuinely, she's, yeah. She's literally like, when she's revealing to like the guidance counselor who she's fucking, she's like, yeah, it's actually me, Laurie Strode. And I'm a headmistress at Westchester, Chris, whatever the fuck it's called in like Northern California. I'm like, what the fuck? And like, it, it, just, it seems to me like the most flimsy and low stakes of all these movies. Um, and she, and, and it's so much exposition. Like the entire movie is exposition. She's just like, yeah, it's actually me, and I'm hiding from my brother. I changed my name when I went into hiding. Oh, I like that. That's like like the like the witness protection program. What if you like rat out the mob or something? My brother killed my sister when she was seventeen. Well, that's sucky. <laughs> How'd he do that? with a really big, sharp kitchen knife. Can I give you a little one-star review tea, by the way? A little behind-the-scenes tea? Um, So, Virus is the next year, and Jamie Lee Curtis was having such a bad time on that film that she tried to get John Bruno, who directed it, replaced with Steve Miner, who directed Halloween H2O, and he was too busy shooting Dawson's Creek. Well, you know, busy, 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 busy. I will say, say, if I have one major qualm about H2O, it's that it looks like a TV show. Yeah, for sure. Look, I I also believe that had Louis seen, say, Virus or Fierce Creek, I think there's a lot of movies yeah. on this list I, that you could, if you tried, correct. you could hate more. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't that disagree. You have the ability I, to hate these other movies more. I agree. But I don't. I don't. I I think that there are. You know, as I will maybe discuss, I don't want to spoil anything. I think there's a lot wrapped up in my feelings about I don't know if you know H2O. what spoilers are. <laughs> um, that might be true. I, I From the three Halloweens I watched, I was like, this one is the worst one. So I, I think that's a good, because we could tell you what H2, I think we kind of actually very much touched on H2O, but we could talk about it in our five-star reviews because we're clearly going there. But before we get there, was there anything else that you guys watched that you didn't particularly like? I'm going to shout out real quick before I turn Drowning Mona off. I was you like, did. yeah, I was like, she's not a huge role in this. I'm not going to have to deal with, like, I got to her first couple scenes and I was like, I'm good. I've seen it before. I saw it years ago and I was like, I don't have fond memories. I'll just yeah, leave it at that. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I rewatched it, you know, and I, again, thought it was fine. I really thought The Fog was a snooze. Like, of nope, those- get out. <laughs> I fucking love, The Fog is like my favorite John Carpenter film. You're wrong. <laughs> wow, the reviews. Okay, all right, all right. They're all mixing right. up. Guys, uh, this is a uh, real mixed. I did think it was boring. Um, I thought but, Prom I mean, Night was boring. I was like, Prom, prom Night's night awful. Is, prom Night is uh, capital B worst. bad. I was like, wait. So my note, go ahead. The brother in the end. And like I said before, I, I really had a hard time with Trading Places, but I think that yeah. that's a movie that belongs in sort of a specific space and time. Yeah, I, I agree. And I was going to say, if there was any other I wanted to bring up, it was certainly, I mean, obviously Fierce Creatures. Fierce Creatures is awful. And it's so it's funny. It's so bad. It's, yeah, the it's so funny because the whole Fish Called Wanda connection and just 
the night and day of it all. But the um, yeah, it, Trading Places is remembered as like this sort of bastion of comedy, and I really think everybody should take a really good hard look at it and and just reappraise it because it's not. It's not worth as much as it was. Let's get out of our one-star reviews. Let's go to Rosier Pastures and let's move into our five-star reviews. Eddie, I think you have something to say. <laughs> I my five-star review is 1998's Halloween H2O, <gasps> and Gasp. I'm gonna st- I stand by it. Tell me, um, Halloween H2O for me. Um, is like the first time that I experienced Jamie Lee Curtis as a movie star. And I had been like, uh, like I said, you know, me and my best friend, Carla, we had watched all of the Halloween movies. And when this movie came out, it was such a big deal. So I think there's a lot of my personal experience with it. I remember the, I remember the, the, the press releases about her coming back to the Halloween franchises, franchise. I remember sort of the, um, the production stills, that very famous shot of kind of like her seeing Michael Myers for the first time through that door. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And above and beyond all of that, well, I think that there are a lot of problems with the film. I think you could cut out LL Cool J. <laughs> you could um, you could like excise some of the the weird plot holes. Like, for example, sort of the, the revelation that maybe Michael Myers is coming back to kill her son because it's his 17th birthday. Yes, I was like, And what? that's when Michael... That's when Michael attacked her for the first time. But actually, we know that his birthday was four months ago because his father's a deadbeat. There's a lot of stuff there, right? So this is like the weirdest five-star review ever. I do think as somebody who's experienced a certain amount of trauma and grief in their life, I think that she says in that movie, um, do you think it's possible that someone can... uh, that, a, that that something so tragic can happen to a person that they never recover. And I remember like 17 year old version of me really, really relating to that like moment and her grief and sort of the power of her trauma and how she was hiding about it, hiding it in alcoholism. And it just all really resonated with me. I think it is, I, I mean, I can't believe I'm going to say this on the back of your one star review, but in some <laughs> ways I think it's her best performance. That is Um, wild to me. I think she is so good in that movie in a way that does not get any kind of respect or in a movie that is sort of not seen in a genre of movie that isn't seen as that kind of caliber. But she is um, when she sees Josh Hartnett walking around and she goes, what do you think you can do, John? Just walk around. What the do you think you're doing? Mom, I'm really uncomfortable with you saying that Well, word. then don't put me in the position, John. Do you know what day it is? Of all the days for you to pull this shit, what do you think you can do? Just wander around town? I mean, like, I used to say that all <laughs> the time. So so it's definitely ingrained in me. I, I understand I'm bringing a lot of personal bias to it, but I also think, I also think she is genuinely great in it. And like that last 30 minutes, like, so what you see is like a silly kind of, and I I respect your opinion that it's sort of like silly at the end of her, like reaching out his hand and reaching out her hand. But when I saw that in the theater, 
and she chops off his head. Spoiler alert. Um, Michael Myers dies at the end of every Halloween movie. Spoiler alert, yeah, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the theater, the theater erupted. Like people lost yeah. their minds. I remember and, like, seeing it in the theater too. I, that to me was like the most powerful move, moment in like horror movies <laughs> where like to somebody who doesn't have that experience with the franchise or with her performance in it, or like has no skin in that game. It's like, why are they going to touch hands? But in that moment, to me, I'm bringing, I guess, all that history with it. And I think it's like that moment at the end where they reach out for each other and she then chops his head off is probably one of my like favorite movie moments ever. I love the stuff with her and Adam Arkin. Um, and when she sort of admits, see, and I guess I don't see it as exposition. I see it as like a person dealing with their trauma and like sharing that with the person that they love. Um, again, because like I've been watching these movies for so long at the, at that point and I have a history with them and she, he goes, she's, you know, he's just trying to get in her pants kind of, and not right. realizing that she's seriously con- you know, confessing to her cause they're making out to him cause they're making out. And she says, when I, you know, 20 years ago, my brother killed my sister on Halloween and he goes, how did she do that? How did he do that? And she goes with a big kitchen knife. Yeah. I mean, it's I love it. It's all very Kevin Williams. It's all very 90s horror. You know, the cold open is such like a scream. I, I know what you did last summer ripoff. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I see all of those flaws, but I could obviously talk about it for ever and ever and ever. I think she's so great in it. And I'd love that movie. So you know what, Louie? You can go to hell. <laughs> see you there, bitch. my five star review is probably also going to be maybe not controversial but probably not one that i i think either of you guys were going to go for and i think it's a fish called wanda i think she really that's mine too so what yeah Yeah. i I I hate this i can't believe how mean you guys are to your guests (laughs) and tell the world (laughs) i think she really shows her range in that movie i think she's so fucking funny first of all i think the beginning of that film is pitch perfect the way it introduces everybody in their specific roles you have john cleese who's in court you have her taking photos you have fucking kevin klein waking up and like being the worst person alive just waking up in the morning and firing a gun yeah and and Michael Palin taking care of his fish. And I, I think that just explains their characters right away. gets you in really quick. A Fish Called Wanda, as I mentioned before, it's a film in which they're criminals. They're trying to, to rob a bank. And try, uh, the, basically, they set somebody else up for the fall, but he hides the money on them and they need to figure out where the money is. Part of her whole gig in the film is to seduce John Cleese. Um, but she ends up sort of falling in love with him. And it's funny because she has this like weird tick that, you know, Kevin Klein speaking Italian to her really fucking turns her on. It's and it, so good. It's so good. And the joke is that he can't really speak Italian. So he's saying like, you know, like pasta fagioli. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, at one point he sings Volare just because it's the only thing he could clearly think of. And so when she gets with John Cleese, she's like, do you speak Italian? And he speaks Italian to her and it turns out, but he's like, but Russian's a much better language. And then he can, he doesn't really speak Russian really. It's like, he just says stuff. But she, Archie. Hmm? Do you speak Italian? I am Italian. Sono Italiano in spirito. Ma ho esposato una donna che preferisce lavorare in giardino a far l'amore passionato un spallo grande. But it's such an ugly language. How about Russian? 
Ешь силу благодатнее созвучий слов живу. В мина то жизнь трудную, тесница на сердце грудь. She's like humping a rope like she and <laughs> it's so good it's so good and i just love everything about her character and her character really does have an arc because she goes from you know trying like tr- really trying to set john cleese up she, she's a little ruthless basically yeah. like ready to have sex with him in his wife's home um his wife steals her locket accidentally <laughs> and she's then like trying to get that locket back for most of the movie realizing how much of an idiot Kevin Klein is, who's also pretending to be her brother. And she has that really gross moment where she's like, I'd fuck you even if you were my brother. Um, And I don't know. Everything is so pitch perfect. She has that great moment too, where she confronts him because he has this fear of being called stupid. And she's like, she's like, you're stupid to stupid people. Essentially. That's her Oscar clip, right? Like that's like her, that's her BAFTA clip. I, um, my question to Gavin, my question to you as another bisexual king on this on this <laughs> um podcast, sorry Louie. Um John Cleese hot in that movie, right? Hot in that movie, not hot in Fierce Creatures. No, but also Jamie Lee Curtis, I like intellectually she's hotter in other movies. Yeah. But like there is something about the two of them in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, I got like super hot for Jamie Lee Curtis, although Absolutely. I feel like she's like too um, too hot almost in some ways where I'm like, it's too intimidating <laughs> to handle. Um, it's great. Louie, I, I, I want to give you a chance to to add your two cents for uh, A Fish Called Wanda. I'm really happy that you and I clearly see eye to eye on this movie. But I do have to say the other thing, um, one of my favorite outfits in the movie is her like leopard print, very 80s shoulder patch jacket. Yeah. 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 So fucking, I, yeah. I, I just think... Uh, I prefer her in comedy mode. I think she's a lot funnier um, yeah. or she's more effective when she's funny just because she really goes for broke. And she's, mm. she's very, she's one of those rare actors who like, I know she's working hard, but it doesn't look like it. She makes it look so easy. She is so natural. And so when she, even though she's like really fucking hot and sexy, she's able to like take the piss out and she just like has that. And I think that's probably something that is from her like normal everyday life. And, you know, being raised by these two, like, legendary actors. And she brings it to the stage. And so I was like, I know I'm going to pick something that she's, you know, it's going to be a comedy. Um, I had never seen A Fish Called Wanda. Um, And I just thought, like, this movie is, I mean, there's so many, like, the the bit of the guy who has a stutter, the bit of him trying to kill the woman, but just killing all these dogs. It's it's so good. It's so good. I will say. So funny. There is an unfortunate, like, very brief moment of blackface. And, like, he admittedly doesn't do any... Like, it's... He's just wearing it as a disguise. Thank God he doesn't, like, try and do sort of any impression. But I was still like, why? Why, guys? Couldn't you have just put him in the stupid Rastafarian hat? Yeah. Like, isn't that enough? I think also in this movie, she is able... Because she's, like, a liar and she's a cheater, she's, like, yeah. she's slipping in and out of this... Things. you get to see her like be manic and like oh my god okay and then like and then boom she's like seduction mode and then boom like okay we, we gotta like fucking do the thing and so she is like bending over backwards like fucking double arabian splits like doing everything in this movie and she's just like nailing all of it um I, I, yeah I, and it, it, she's just so funny and it's like the, all of the best things about her she's funny she's hot she's able to you know be sexy 
and and, and vulnerable and yeah and, you and know. she's the only woman in this entire movie like basically yes like all double cross triple cross movies they only work when like you don't see them coming or whatever and she, and in this movie i'm like i have no idea if she really is into Pine yeah. or um uh, john cleese like you just don't know like in the end maybe she'll say fuck it i want this all for myself um because like they all are they are all liars you know they are all well i mean like john cleese's character is like kind of dragged into this before we get into our fast forward was there anything else that you guys particularly liked that you saw i do once again i know it was not your favorite eddie but i really connected to love letters and i wish there were more opportunities for women to be in films like this to, to like i connected to this sad weird character in a weird way but uh but yeah i i would love i don't know i th- i i think that was an interesting turning point for her career, but you know, obviously it right. really it didn't go anywhere, no but cared. I think I agree. I think true lies never seen it. I thought it was so fun, even though it's like dumb, dumb popcorn stuff. It's really yeah, yeah. fun. S- still cut like 40 minutes out of it. <laughs> the horse in the elevator. Like what? I think watching my girl for the first time as an adult, um, Anna Schlumsky in that movie. Mm. Yeah. Klumsky, Schlumsky. She's a star. Yeah, I mean, she genuinely is. She she's so great in that movie. Jamie Lee Curtis, I think we already said this, is so incredibly warm. I mean, that's all that role requires is like just radiate warmth to this girl who like needs a mother figure. Um, But it's definitely the kind of movie that um, I saw a thousand times when I was a kid, and then haven't seen it in you know twenty years. And now I'm like, oh, this is movie is still really good. And also, like, I'm watching this movie now from the perspective of, like, what would it be to be the Jamie Lee Curtis? Right. As right. opposed to the Anna Schlumsky. I would sort of stump for Knives Out. Yes. Um, I would put Jamie Lee Curtis on my long list for Best Supporting Actress last year. I think she's really great. Um, that movie is so fun and so... Just like a as cozy as as um, Chris Evans sweater. Mm-hmm. I just I love I love that movie. And I think she's so so great. Yeah. Before we move into our fast forward, why don't we do our mixed reviews review? So my one star review was it's a tie between <laughs> 1999's Virus and 2004's Christmas with the Cranks. My one star review was 1998's Halloween H2O. Twenty years later. My one star review was. 1999's Virus. My five-star review was 1988's A Fish Called Wanda. So was mine. My five-star review, despite Louis' <laughs> uh, scolding, is 1998's Halloween H2O, which I am already embarrassed about. <laughs> <laughs> we are going into our a Fast Forward. She has these two Halloween sequels that are coming out. Uh, Halloween uh, Kills and Halloween Ends. Uh, Hopefully the pandemic will be over and we will get our Halloween Kills next year and Halloween Ends the following year. Um, Other than that, she really only has this um, movie called Spiciosis on her. Spiciosis. And and it's written by... Tom Arnold, Ugh. who she yeah, who she knows from uh, doing True Lies. So I'm guessing it's a favor, and she's playing a character named Jamie. So I'm gonna guess probably not a large role. Um, but you know what? She has she has said, and I'm kind of cool with this. 
she has basically tried to retire a couple times in her career. Um, prior to H2O, she was like, I'm done. I'm a mom. I'm a writer. Whatever. I'll do. She came back for H2O. Uh, I'm curious if she's just sort of entering that mode again. She's also talked about how her and her husband don't, they travel together. They don't spend time apart like a lot of actors do um, or a lot of directors do. And so I think maybe that's part of it. She's just very much, she's a family person. And I think she really wants to stay in tuned to that portion of her life. Well, it's wild though because like she, I think she's in the middle of like another renaissance, you know, like yeah, most bankable actress in America and in, in in Hollywood right now. It's apparently. like if you, ha- I mean, she between ho- ho- Halloween, which became like the highest grossing horror, the film. highest grossing, the highest gro- uh, grossing opening weekend for a woman starring a woman in her sixties, I believe, is the stat. Yeah. Like it opened to seventy million dollars or something crazy like right, that. Right, right. So like. And Halloween Kills will open just as big. Oh, it's going to be huge, especially after a year in which people can't go to the movie theaters. I think that like her where her career is currently speaks to kind of how we started this conversation is that like she doesn't really feel like she has anything to prove. There's no role that she wishes was, you know, more um, lauded. Um, And she's kind of like, yeah, I'll do movies when I can do movies and I'll and I won't if I don't. And that all sounds great. And somebody calls me to ask me to do a favor. I'll do it. But I I think it's Knives Out is a perfect example of that, you know, like. Yeah. And just slotting into this like big, you know, comedy whodunit. And it's like so good and so easy breezy. Um, And I I see that for her and I feel that for her. and I love that for her. I would love nothing more. Maybe it's not for Halloween kills, but for her to have like a killer supporting role in something like a knives out and like finally get those, you know, those roses she deserves. Yeah. Um, But I think I want that as a fan of hers and somebody who thinks that she's a great actress. I think that part of it is that she doesn't, she sort of seems indifferent about that. Yeah. Do it for me, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> listen, if Ryan Murphy calls me, it's like, whatever. Like, I yeah. Know, but if Ryan Murphy calls you, don't pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, do the number. pilot of Scream Queens, which is chef's kiss perfect. But yeah. then also don't do anything else. Oh, my God. Just, if he comes to you with, like, an origin story of the mother from The Exorcist, please don't do it. <laughs> like, that was so specific and yeah. so accurate <laughs> that's that like, I'm terrified. Please don't. Um... But yeah, and and that's kind of what I we've talked about this from the start of this podcast. She's easy breezy. She doesn't ever want to do anything that she doesn't want to do. And obviously she's had these advantages in life. She hasn't taken them for granted and she's not going to. And in in a way, I think the thing that would fuck up most people and probably did not certainly not help during her phase in which she suffered from problems with addiction but i think the thing that would fuck up most people has actually played to her benefit because she's been realistic about it she's like i am fortunate i've been fortunate from the start and i you know i can give a little bit of that back and that's really what i want to do and that's it and i don't have to do anything i don't want to do i'm fucking jamie lee curtis and that's and i think that maybe yeah. that's why her and christopher guest go so well together because like he's so unaffected by hollywood and she right 
yeah, he's a, he's a fucking he has a title. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, and so I think I think that's exactly it. Where they're they're both people that that come from impressive privilege who like are like fuck this Hollywood game. They're both and like I, we didn't work for this. Like this is stupid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would watch her in anything. I did literally watch her in anything over these last <laughs> ten days. And you and and we you did and we shall. Everybody see Mother's Boys. So <laughs> that wraps up Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, thank you so much, Eddie, for coming on our yes. show. Uh, before we get out, we're going to give you a moment to plug your stuff. So where can people find you online? Oh, boy. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Eddie, E-D-D-I-E underscore. Oh, boy. Moradian, M-O-U-R-A. D-I-A-N. We love a vowel in the Meridian mm-hmm, family. Mm-hmm. Also, I like, contribu- that, I like that you spelled that, like you've had to do that on the phone many, every, many times. Just it's, every it's time. the same with me. It's like M-E-V as in Victor, I-U-S. Yeah, no, I have to spell my name and then also say I'm a man <laughs> because <laughs> the pitch of my voice. Um, and I also am a contributor to um, Awards Watch, so yes. check out my stuff there. Um, but thank you guys so much for having me. As you know, I demand by legality to be back if you ever do Julia Roberts episode. If we ever want to do Absolutely. like one of the hardest fucking episodes, we will have you back. Yeah, we'll be sure to almost close your hand in a box okay. so you can <laughs> laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> Um, but yes thank you everybody for listening to us Uh, we we love that you come back each week we've been getting a lot of great reviews and we're going to talk about them within the next episode but before we do all that where can you find us online well you can find us on twitter at at the mixed reviews we're also on facebook just type in the mixed reviews you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram. Just type in the underscore mixed underscore reviews Gavin puts up so much fun little content there I try. I try too hard. (laughs) Um, And if you want to listen to us, as you have been doing, you can feel free to subscribe to our show on every major podcast. We're everywhere. Oh, yeah. We're on Stitcher. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon. We're on Google Play. All of them. And if you want to do me a big favor, please go to Apple Podcasts and write us a review and leave us a nice little five stars on that. We'll read it on the show. I literally was telling someone yesterday about our podcast and they're like, where can we listen? And I was like, oh, we're everywhere. Like iTunes. Maybe we're everywhere. And they were like, oh my God, really? And I was like, yeah, girl, like get on Spotify. We're there, bitch. (laughs) Um, And so thank you for joining us this week. And please remember, we are still in a pandemic and as it turns out anybody can catch it mm-hmm. so it is so what please, it is <laughs> it is what it is so please wear a mask wash your hands donate to causes we'll see you guys next time make sure to check out for our poll um uh coming soon to vote for your favorite genuinely cursed movie eddie thank you again bye y'all bye i wish i had you all alone just the two of us